We are in a part two of our Active Faith series. And if you missed last week, I really want to encourage you to go back and, and listen to that message. Pastor Kelly started to lay out for us uh, how to cultivate an active faith into our life. And you can do that at rockbrook.org. You know, I was taking notes like crazy last week. And I, I can totally relate to that tension of, okay, is this about faith or is it about works? You know, uh, am I supposed to have faith, works, which is it? And we learn that an act of faith is not just something I say, feel, think, or believe. An act of faith is expressed in what I do. Saying I have faith based on feelings, on what I think or believe, those are all personal, those are all internal or intellectual things. An act of faith has to move from the personal, from the internal to the heart, to the hands, and to the feet. What we do is an outward expression of what happened internally. Look at this verse up on the screen. It's a verse from last week. Let's read it together. Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. So faith without action is a dead faith. And let's review the four steps from last week to cultivate an act of faith. First, it has to start with asking some key questions. Do I, do I truly, truly want victory over my sin? Or do I want to continue to struggle with my sin? Do I want to live a life of victory? Victorious over my hurts, my habits, and my hang-ups. The sin in my life. Do I want to remain a nobody? Or do I want to become a somebody? You know, that is my personal testimony. I wanted to be a somebody in this world. I lived a life of destructive excess, drunkenness, anger, sex, and outlandish, foolish decisions was my path, my way to get noticed, to be known. And the end result was no real friends, bankruptcy, divorce, financial debt, and loneliness. I was still a nobody wanting to be a somebody. And then I met Jesus Christ, a somebody, and he shows me how to make wise decisions. He shows me how to be a godly man, a godly father, and a godly husband. Jesus gave me a life mission in the world to tell nobodies that you can be a somebody. And this is how God works. It's faith expressed in action. To have victory, you must surrender. If I truly want victory, it has to start with a decision. All decisions have to start with me personally. I can't decide for anybody else and nobody can decide for me. I must make a personal decision. And the first major decision I have to make in order to live an act of faith is whether or not I am going to internally, personally, put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And then the second major decision that I have to make is, am I going to surrender to Him as my Lord, as my King, as my Heavenly Father? But once I make this decision to surrender to Jesus Christ, then I have to express it through community. My personal decision is expressed through my commitment to an active faith community. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. So many Christians buy into the idea that Salvation is a private matter, and that's not true. Salvation is a personal decision expressed 
publicly through your community involvement. And salvation is the root of our faith, and that faith is expressed externally by works in and through the community that I'm in. So what kind of works? Well, these are works that welcome people into the faith. Works that breathe life into other people. Works that build up the body of Christ. Works that bring hope to a hopeless world. For God, the works are all about the people. God gives us forgiveness of our sins through the person of Jesus Christ. And God gives us healing by the people that He puts in our life. That's how God works. From the very first page in the Bible to the very last, it is about God building a community, a family, through the person of Jesus Christ, one person at a time. Look at this verse in 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen people a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who has called you out of darkness into this wonderful light. So what does this look like practically? What does an active faith community look like? How would I recognize it if I saw it? Look up here on the screen or there in your outline. We're going to read through Acts 2, 42-47. This is starting with the first church, the first believers. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and good, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, I just love God. He doesn't just teach us what to do. He shows us practically how we need to live what an active faith community looks like. So if we want to live like an active faith community, then we must act too like this community. Write this down on your outline. Number one, an active faith community is relational. An active faith community is relational. In Acts 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. In verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You know, this is something very foreign to us in in our Western church culture. You know, we think of this type of community, when we think of this type of community, we think of it in terms of our own personal family. You know, my, my wife, my husband, my children, my aunts, my uncles, those that I'm very close to. Most of us have no problem expressing this kind of faith uh, in the context of our own personal family. But don't ask me to do this uh, with somebody I hardly know. And don't ask me to do this with complete strangers. You know, how would you react if all of a sudden somebody came up here on the stage, interrupted me, and said, your mother and brothers are here to see you. They really need to talk to you. And I responded with, what do you mean? And I point to all of you out here and I say, these are my mothers. 
brothers and sisters. That's what Jesus did. In Matthew it says, while Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. And he replied to him, who is my mother? And who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. You know, over the past few days, my family and I had the, pastor, I had the privilege of having Pastor Alok stay with us while he was visiting Rockbrook. Uh, Pastor Alok is from India, and his church culture is very different than ours. Uh, my wife had never met him before, and he arrived before she got home from work. Uh, so when she came home, she went to introduce uh, herself to him, and he, he very eager, eagerly, with a very excited tone in his voice, stretched out his, home, his hand, and he said, It's very good to see you, sister. All week, he called her sister. Thank you, sister. I'm doing fine, sister. No thanks, sister. Goodbye, sister. Jen just loved this. She ate this up. She said, I wish he could stay with us all the time. Hebrews 10.25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, the key to becoming an active faith community, a doing community, is meeting together on a regular basis. Number two there on your outline, an active faith community is united in thought and purpose. Verse 42, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They read the Scriptures. They listened to the Scriptures. But then they got together and they talked about it. They wanted to make sure that they were on the same page that they understood what the Scriptures were saying and what the Apostles were saying. And this is so important because we, again, we live in a culture where we have so many denominations, so much access to Christian Christian teaching, literature, and resources. So many of us have been exposed to some kind of uh, Christian community in our past. But if we're going to function as an active faith community, we all have to be on the same page if we're going to make a difference in people's lives. I just want you to think about this for a moment. Let's say you work for the company AT&T, and you lost your job there, or uh, you quit, and you decided, well, I'm going to go work for Sprint. Well, how frustrating would it be for Sprint if you always said, well, that's not how AT&T did it. This is the way AT&T did it. We should do it this way. That's not going to be beneficial to you or Sprint. In fact, you're probably going to lose your job there. But don't get me wrong. You know, both companies have the same foundational objectives. They want to build a customer base, sell telecommunication products, and expand their networks. Look at this, verse, uh, or Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purposes. So we want to act and will to God's purposes. That's foundational. You know, the same is true for the local church. All local churches foundationally have the same objective. To reach people for Christ, to minister to people, provide sound biblical teaching, worship God, and provide a place where people feel welcome. But each local church has a different way of fulfilling these goals. 
At Rockbrook Church, we do this through what we call a purpose-driven church model or the purpose-driven pathway or the purpose-driven life. Um, I want us to read uh, Rockbrook's purpose statement together. Let's read this together. Rockbrook Church. Stop there for a minute. Um, Rockbrook Church. Um, As a pastor, I get this a lot. People will come up to me and say, I think Rockbrook Church should do this. I think Rockbrook Church should do that. Well, who is Rockbrook Church? We are. The people are. You are. So when you say Rockbrook Church should, Pastor, that's you. You're Rockbrook Church. So let's read this together. Rockbrook Church exists to bring you membership into God's family, develop you to Christ-like maturity, equip you for your ministry in the church and life mission in the world in order to magnify God's name. That's what we want to do here at Rockbrook. We want to be united in that in thought and mind. So uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. So we must be united in mind and thought. Number three, an active faith community is the care and support system of the church. Acts 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. And then John 13, 35 says, By this all men will know that you are my my disciples if you love one another. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how do you care for yourself? Well, you feed yourself, you clothe yourself, you bathe yourself. If you're sick, you take yourself to the doctor to get better. That's how we want to take care of our neighbors. But the hard part about this is helping those you don't know. So how do you solve that problem? Well, you get to know them. That's point number one. We get relational. And then point number two, we be, be, we be united in thought and purpose. We take them down a pathway that will help them discover a plan and a purpose for their life. You know, most people aren't, need, aren't in need of relief. They need someone to come alongside them and bring them into membership into God's family, to develop them to Christ-like maturity, to equip them for their ministry in the church and life mission in the world so that they too can magnify God's name. Number four, an active faith community invests and invites in the community around them. Acts 2.47 And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. When an active faith community is relational, when it's united in thought and purpose and cares for the people around them, that that, uh, investment creates an inviting environment that people on the outside want to belong to. They say, I want to be a part of that community. When the church is being the church, when it's being an active faith community, that is a church that God will send people to. He will add people to our numbers daily. Acts 1.8 But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What is a witness? 
A witness is just somebody who describes or acts out what's happened to them in their life. And that is all God asks us to do. To talk about our faith and to live our life like an active faith community. And when we do that, people see that and they want that. Romans 10.14 How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without somebody preaching? I love this church. You know, this church is one of the best and invite and invest tools that you have to, to be able to reach out to your family, your friends, your co-workers, your neighbors, those in our community. Because when people come here, they're going to feel welcome. They can see changed lives. They can see our unity. They can be cared for. They can hear the good news preached and they can see God being praised. And this leads us to the next point. Number five, God is magnified through an active faith community. Acts 2.43, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. In verse 47, it says they were praising God. When we live like an active faith community, people start noticing that we're different. Let's face it, we all yearn for a world where everyone gets along. We all yearn for a world where it is united instead of divided. We all yearn for a world where there is no more suffering, no more pain, and no more tears. And when we as a church live like an active faith community and people ask, why are you so different? We get to respond with, because we made a decision to follow Jesus Christ and we are committed to living like an active faith community. So I don't want to be contradictive here today. You know, we've talked about an act of faith is not just knowing, not just believing. It's about what we do. And I just gave you five points, and I just don't want you to leave here with that. I want to give you some next steps, some ways that you can practically participate in cultivating an act of faith community here at Rockbrook Church. First starts with our weekend services. We want our weekend services to be an inviting place. That's why we are very informal here. We want people, we want to dress and act like the people in our community, those that don't know Jesus Christ. And when they come in here, that's why we dress very informal. Uh, we want people to smile and be upbeat. We want people to shake hands. That's why we do the handshake during our, our services. Um, you know, if you're one of those people that kind of sneak in before or after the first service and sneak out before that last song, I want to encourage you to stick around. Shake some people's hands. Get to know some people. Because we're going to talk about small groups in a little bit, and that's how you're going to make those connections and, and get plugged into a small group. Now, I know it's hard to, to talk to people that you don't know and engage them in conversation, so I want you to write this down on your outline. Write FORM, F-O-R-M. And FORM is an acronym that can help you to engage somebody that you don't know in conversation. The F in FORM stands for family. Tell me a little bit about your family. Are you married? Do you have kids? The O in form stands for occupation. What do you do for a living? What kind of jobs have you had? The R in form stands for recreation. What do you like to do for fun? What are your hobbies? 
And the M in form stands for ministry. What ministry are you involved in? Or what charitable organizations are you involved in? That'll get a conversation started. Uh, the second thing you can do is attend a life development class. We're always promoting our life development classes. And those classes help us to get united in thought and purpose as a church. And then small groups. You know, small groups are, are where we take a large crowd and we reduce it down to smaller groups. And that's where we can get relational with one another. And then you can get into a ministry. You know, we believe that every, every here at Rockbrook that every member is a minister. And every ministry is our care and support system here at Rockbrook Church. You know, uh, be an information table host for one of the services. Help out in our Rock Brick for Kids ministry. It's a powerful ministry. If you reach the kids, you'll reach the parents. You know, serve as a greeter. Did you know at Rock Brick, our Rock Brick greeters have more contact with people in this church than any of the pastors do. It's a huge ministry here. You know, you can be an usher. Be on the cleaning team or the setup team. Serving in these ministries are more important than you think. When someone visits Rockbrook Church for the first time, these ministries are the message before the message. How they are treated before the sermon ever starts will determine whether they're going to come back to Rockbrook Church or not. They're making a decision before they ever hear that sermon based on how they're treated. So these five points I talked about isn't natural for us to do. We have to practice them. So where can we begin to practice these principles? How can we begin to cultivate an active faith community? Well, at Rockbrook, we do that around here in small groups. And like I said, small groups are just like they sound. That we take large groups and reduce them down to about 3 to 12 people. Now, why 3 people at least? Well, if somebody doesn't show up to your small group that night, you still have somebody you can meet with, right? And then 12, if you get more than 12, it's hard to really dialogue and share and get to know one another. Small groups meet in homes all throughout our community on various days of the week at various times. And those days and times are determined by the facilitator or the person who is hosting the group. For adults, we have men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, and mixed groups. They are facilitated, they are facilitated by Rockbrook Church members. Those that wish to join a small group do not have to be a member of Rockbrook Church. In fact, they don't even have to attend Rockbrook Church. They are open and closed based on three semesters. We have a January semester, a May semester, and a September semester. And it's before these semester starts, that's when you'll hear us talk about small group signups are starting. They last nine to 12 weeks long. The availability of small groups, how many small groups are offered each semester is determined by those who call Rockbrook Church their home, those who have committed to being a member that will volunteer to lead uh, a Rockbrook small group. And so I want to encourage you to consider leading a, a, a Rockbrook church uh, small group. You know, our May semester is just wrapped up and we're, getting, we're gearing up for our se September semester. And um, for our September semester, we're, we will be doing a fall campaign called Transformed. How God changes us. The key verse is Romans 12 two, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And the focus of this campaign will be on seven key areas of health. Spiritual health, physical health, mental health, emotional health, relational health, financial health, and vocational health. 
And we truly believe these topics are topics that every believer and the unbelievers in your life are, are up against in their everyday life. We believe we can get healthy in these areas when we come together as an active faith community. Pastor Kelly will preach on each of these topics each week. And each week, small groups will dive deeper into each of these key topics. It's the power of the weekend services and the, and the sermons coming together united in thought and purpose. Not only will the adults be doing the campaign, so will our children and our teens. This is a church-wide campaign. Um, up on the screen is a map from last semester. Each cross represents uh, a small group. The colored boundaries represent Belton, Rainworm, Peculiar. We want to saturate our surrounding community with transformed small groups. I want to be able to say to anybody that wants to join a small group, we have a small group in your neighborhood, on your block. You know, a couple of semesters ago, I had a lady that uh, approached me and said, I've looked over your small group list here. Um, I don't see one that, meets, or that fits my work schedule. How can you help me? And there's nothing I can do unless I have a group, somebody that will volunteer. Uh, just last week, I had somebody that uh, wrote on the comment card, do you have any senior small groups? I only have senior small groups if somebody will commit to cult cultivating an active faith community. So we want to saturate. Jesus said, be fishers of men. So we consider our community our fishing pond. And each small group is a hook in the water to attract people to our church. You know, some people may not come to Rockbrook Church, but they'll come to your home. And you don't have to have a lot of people. Invite the people that you know. Like I said, three people, and you can close your small group. But you know somebody that, that could use your small group and be invited to this church. So some other goals we have. We want to launch over 100 new groups. Why 100 groups? Well, we have 900 adults that uh, attend Rockbrook every weekend. And let's say our groups average at least 10 people per group. We would need 90-plus uh, groups. We want 100% participation from those who call Rockbrook Church their home. We want more people in small groups than we have attending our weekend services. Why is that? Well, that means then we're being missional-minded, right? Because we're, at, we're inviting our friends, our family, our co-workers that don't come to Rockbrook Church to our small groups. That's a win for us. So I want you to pull out your communication card. And um, I want you to fill out your information because as Pastor Kelly says, we need to make a decision, but that decision needs to be followed up with a commitment. So I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to the Transform campaign. On the back of your communication cards, I'm asking you to consider um, three commitments. And you can check one, you can check two of them, or all three of them. Let's look at them. The first one, I plan on committing to participating in a transformed small group. The second commitment I might consider, I am willing to open my home or business to host a transformed group. Now this is something uh, we're doing that's a little bit different this semester. What we're saying here is maybe you're not comfortable uh, faci facilitating a group, but maybe you're willing to open up your home. And you're saying, Pastor Tom, I'll open up my home, you give me a leader. So that might be something you would consider. And then the last uh, commitment, I am willing to facilitate a transformed group. 
Now, if you're willing to facilitate a, a small group, you don't have to be a Bible scholar to do this. This is really easy. Look, we'll give you a study guide. And this study guide has all the tips that you need to host a small group. We will also give you a DVD. And um, on this DVD are our tips for facilitating a group. And also on this, on this DVD is the teaching, the small group teaching for the campaign. So all you have to do is put this in your DVD player and hit play, and your group watches the teaching together. And then after that, you just facilitate the question, the Q&A time and just do what's in the book. That's all you are as a facilitator. Also, I'll be, hoping, I'll be hosting a transform or, orientation meeting in August for those that want to facilitate a group. So you'll be able to ask questions then. And then also our small group ministry team will support you throughout the campaign. So as you consider your level of commitment, I want to read this testimony from a small group leader uh, from a couple of semesters ago. This is what she wrote on her blog after they came back from doing a small group project. She said, over the weekend, we teamed up with two other families in our small group and drove down to Arkansas to help out a church camp called Woodland Acres Bible Camp. It is an absolutely beautiful camp located in Green Forest, Arkansas, and relatively close to Branson, Missouri. After driving into the wee hour, morning hours, we woke up on Saturday morning and got straight to work. The woman, was, the woman that was directing us told us to start out by raking leaves. When I asked her what we were going to do next, she just sort of smiled and didn't give me an answer. As it turns out, Woodland Acres Camp is true to its name. It has acres and acres of woods. And there are a lot of leaves. So many leaves, in fact, that, fact that six of us raked straight for a, a day and a half. We found out later that we were the fourth group to come and rake, and there was one more coming after us. I must admit that at first I was a little hesitant about doing this type of work. As I always tell Dan, I am not really built for manual labor. I could surely have done something that I might have been a little better at. However, I quickly realized we weren't just raking leaves. We were listening to music together. We were cooking together. We were eating like kings together. Seriously, the people in my small group can cook. They are also super sweet about making a gluten-free dish for me. We were serving God together. We were doing life together. It was such a great weekend. I haven't worked like that in years, and going to bed completely exhausted felt great in the best possible way. Yesterday morning, I transferred all my leaf pictures from my SD card to my computer. Then Ina woke up. I left my computer for a few minutes, and when I came back, it was frozen, which has never happened before. I restarted it only to find out the pictures I had just transferred weren't on my hard drive, or my SD card. They were gone. I went into full-blown panic attack and downloaded and paid for not one, but two applications to recover the deleted pictures. After many calming breaths and a few screams, it worked. So if you ever need help recovering deleted files, I'm your gal. (laughs) But when I thought those pictures were gone, I was truly devastated. Not getting them back was not an option to me. My reaction kind of surprised me, but made me realize how much this weekend in our little small group means to me. 
I feel like I got bit by the service project bug. And I'm now trying to think of other cool things our group can do. What ways do you serve? We're going to pray. And I'm going to pray that last verse on your outline there in John 17, 20-26. Because this is a prayer that Jesus prayed 2,000 years ago. Not for, the, not for just the believers that were there with Him. But He also prayed for those that would believe in the future. And that's us. So I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads, and just listen to this prayer that Jesus prayed. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their, through their message. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. That they may be, they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they, may they be brought to complete unity. Let the world know that you sent me and have loved me and them even. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have, you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Amen.